Joe Stapleton. You've seen their TV shows. You've watched their webcasts. Now, the boys invite you to Poker in the Ears. Oh, you guys, I'd like to be honored, but I'm pretty sure this is just going to get beaten into the ground. Like, I would like to think <laughs> that that's like you guys being cool to me, but I have a feeling it's the first in a long line of several hundred jokes at my expense. Not at all. No? I mean, obviously, uh, I'm really keen to know, were you lying when before you said it didn't mean anything to you? Or are you lying now when you're saying it does mean a lot to you? Or are you just always lying? Hello, my babies, and welcome <laughs> to Poker in the Ears. Coming up on today's show... I won, I won, I won, I won, I won. And now, yes, Matt, to answer your question, I don't have to pretend like I didn't care anymore. <laughs> and man, oh man, am I going to be insufferable. Key question, Joe, did you start worrying after the fuck up at the Oscars that suddenly someone was going to call you up and like, uh, sorry, Joe, it's not a joke. Lance Bradley actually won. Can you please give your award to Lance? I actually thought that um, what it was going to do was, like, I thought, like, the Oscars were copying us because now you heard Sam Abernathy announced my win last year at the awards. I took some pretty difficult, some pretty rough shots on Sam, and she told me that when she saw my name, she considered reading a different one. <laughs> <laughs> that story plus more from the American Poker Awards coming up on today's show, including a chat with one of the real winners of the night, a poker player who always seems to be in the middle of some kind of controversy. We'll call it debate, I guess, to, to uh, put it lightly. Kate Hall is going to be on the show today. That is going to be our event recap, but also continuing to stand in for our TV recaps. We've got another top five this week. This time it's top five table nightmares. Uh, was the Stapes Charity Invitational Tournament all five of them? Because it was for me. <laughs> Joe, you know the rules. We don't talk about it. We pretend that it never actually happened. Yes, and that is my personal nightmare. Five different nightmares coming up at the actual poker table later in the show. We are on the eve of the new PokerStars.tv home game. More details on that or just the same details again. And finally, this week's super fan is Joe Romanano, whose specialist subject is Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back. Indeed. Nerd stuff. It is. We've got some nerd stuff. Now, Joey, there is one piece of important business that we need to take care of. Uh, you did say while we were recording last week's show that you expected to get a ton of shit on social media for some of your fuck-ups, most notably mistaking Gene Kelly for Fred Astaire. It wasn't <laughs> that mistake that drew the most attention. No, really? it was in the poker news segment of the show, uh -oh. where I would argue factual accuracy is probably reasonably important. As Pedro Almeida points out on Twitter... Mike Lear won the Fallsview WPT three times in four years, 2014, 2016, and 2017, not three years straight. Now, don't get me wrong, it's an amazing achievement and we were right to celebrate it, but you were a little bit loose with the facts, so much so that the executive producer of this show has ruled that Joe is no longer allowed to contribute to the poker news section. <laughs> wait, wait, are you saying that... that our show has a higher news integrity than the actual news <laughs> because I'm pretty sure alternative facts are perfectly fine these days. So no. I'm just going to call that an alternative fact and I'll, I'll talk about all the news I want. <laughs> no, we are strictly real facts, not fake facts. Um, just very quickly. Cause I know we always like to talk TV 
at the start of the show. Um, for a long time, people have been saying to me on Twitter that I need to get into the OA on Netflix. And in the last 48 hours, I've started watching it. I'm three and a half episodes in. I am hooked. It is fucking awesome. So if you haven't started watching that one yet, and I know there's so much good stuff out there to watch on TV right now, but this series is exceptional. What's the premise? I, I don't even know this one. To say too much about the premise would be giving too much away. All I will tell you is it starts with a girl who has been missing for seven years suddenly reappears. Ooh. And I don't really want to say anything more than that. Fine. Like it. I, I've heard such mixed things about that show. Like some, some people I know hate it. You know what? I think the people I know that hate it are probably uh, sexist. They're um, probably the same. They're probably, they, they, not being funny, there were a lot of people who hated Westworld, and I didn't get the hate for that either. Um, right. One thing I will say is the star and co-writer of this series, Britt Marling, she made a movie about six years ago now called Another Earth, which I thought was absolutely brilliant, which was one of those kind of like... Uh, people crossing and how their lives intertwine, but also the concept of another version of our planet where everyone has a mirror version of, of this themselves. So it's kind of like sci-fi, but also drama. And that I thought was found outstanding. So clearly she's a very talented writer in addition to being a very talented actress. All right, I'll allow it, Matt, TV. Well, I'm glad that you have that recommendation because I had to thank you, James, because you put me onto Sneaky Pete. That was Joe. I've never seen oh. a frame of Sneaky Pete. Oh, sorry. I knew one of you guys on a previous podcast had mentioned it, and I, I, I'm kind of gutted. I'm pleased to be now a permanent addition here on the podcast, but I'm kind of gutted because one of my favourite podcasts I can no longer really listen to. So <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, live by the sword, die by the sword. But that's where I used to get on my TV recommendations. So thank you, Joe Stapleton. Yeah, sure. Because uh, I chewed my way through it in about three sittings, did all of it, and just absolutely loved it to pieces and highly recommend it to anybody else who might be considering their next TV uh, occupation. And Matt, that particular series didn't have the, the thing I always complain about where they don't really wrap up the story in the first season. This story wraps up perfectly and then they present a brand new, bigger problem. Yeah. And I, I think that that's, that's my favorite kind of writing. What did you think of the poker scenes? I thought that you could tell like who, there were different writers working on different episodes because some of them got poker and some didn't. Yeah, I, do you know what? There wasn't too much that annoyed me because funny enough, as well as you recommending it to me, after you mentioned it, our our friend and, and sometimes uh, compadre on the podcast, Steve Bear, had also watched it and said to me, definitely check it out. He said, oh, but the poker scenes, you know, it's all a bit cringy. And actually, I thought it was fine. There's come of the, some of those things where a guy says raise when there's been no action. Yeah. And there were, I can't remember, there was something else about a particular scenario that just made a little bit cringy. But, but people do that in real life. I've seen people say raise when they mean bet. That's yeah. not unrealistic. Yeah, so there were a couple of things that were a little bit silly, but actually it was by far and away not the worst portrayal of poker that I've seen by a long stretch. I thought it was absolutely fine. Yeah, really fun show. Uh, you guys remember how I've been raving about Goliath the last few weeks. Yeah. Um, I was ready to stop that because I feel like I had done enough. However, one of the cool things about living in L.A. is that you run into actors like all the time. Are you going to drop some more actor, names? <laughs> not really. Come on, no, because no, because she's not a big star. Like it wasn't Billy okay. Bob, but I ran into uh, Nina Ariande who Ariando who plays uh, like Billy Bob's legal partner on the show and she's fucking brilliant on the show 
And I've, I lived in L.A. for like 15 years, and I've gone up to an actor or actress maybe twice in those 15 years. I saw her at a coffee shop. I had to walk up to her. She was very gracious and didn't seem too terribly creeped out by me. Um, but it was just super cool to see somebody that I thought had absolutely murdered it. And again, I can't recommend this show enough. Now, Joe, just before we get into discussing the all-important American Poker Awards, you mentioned at the yeah, top of the show important. that we are on the eve of the Pokestars.tv home game. I just want to check... Are you still up for being Skyped in when we do the Twitch stream tomorrow night? Let's remember what time does it start Okay, so bear in mind, and if you're not listening to this podcast on the day of its release, which is Thursday the 2nd of March, everything we're going to talk about is largely irrelevant because that is the day of the stream. It's going to be starting at 7.30 p.m. London time, which is what, 11.30 in the morning your time? Yes, I can do that. I can I can be in for a portion of that. Okay. I'm assuming, by the way, Matt, that everything's ready to go for this stream. It is now. Yeah. It, <laughs> no, do you know, I had a slight situation because it was a couple of months ago, you know, that James buzzed me and said, look, we're going to do another one of these Twitch home games. I was like, brilliant. And he said, rather than come into the London office, we're thinking you can just like host it, just stream it from your home because, you know, you've got the, the, the Twitch set up. I'm like, yeah, perfect, perfect. And I just misunderstood. I thought I would be streaming it and that James would probably be Skyping in from his home or something. It'd be like when I did the WCOOP stuff. I just have a kind of a permanent second face on the screen. And then a couple of days later, James said, oh, by the way, and if it's cool, I'll come around your house and we'll do it then. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking, <laughs> right, my laptop is normally set down in like my back room, like my kind of little office. I thought the only problem is the missus is going to be like five feet away watching Time Teen or like, you know, or, or Gardener's World. And the dog's going to be bouncing off the walls because we've got a guest. So when I did my Twitch before, I had like this wobbly rickety table that she normally has a sewing machine on with a laptop. And I'm thinking, right, what am I going to do? And my, my spare room is kind of going through a transition. I'm just selling off loads of old crap. So I got rid of like an electric drum kit I hadn't played in a year. And the big object that was kind of ruining the story was this massive rowing machine. And I was like, do you know what? I haven't even dusted that off in a year. You know, like you just... from House of Cards? Exa- yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. like Because <laughs> that's where I used to go upstairs, listen to this podcast while having a jolly good row. And that ended about a year ago. You know, best intentions. So I put this... Well, can't row anymore you're on the podcast exactly i'm busy i'm busy so i put this monstrosity (laughs) up on gumtree some guy got in touch saying i definitely want it he was coming all the way from catford which if you don't know it's like kind of south of the river it's a fair schlep out to me in essex definitely want it so i'm saying to the missus right we've got to get this thing downstairs and it's it's it, we nearly died several times coming down the stairs of this thing we get it set up in the hallway this guy turns up and I'm like, hey, this is how you get it to fold down. This is how you change the settings. Um, have a go. And this guy sits on it. And I wish we were in vision because I can't describe to you how wrongly he used the <laughs> rowing machine. He, like, he nearly bent double and held the, 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 the rowing device. And then he kind of pulled it into his chest and then leant backwards and kind of flexed his legs an inch and back again. And I thought... <laughs> And I thought, am I the guy in the gym that says, hey, uh, let me show you how to do that properly? And I thought, no, I just, he's going to buy it. I just leave him to it. If that's how he wants to row, that's how he wants to row. But he did that for about five minutes with me just staring with my mouth open and stood up and then went, 
do you know what? it's not it's not really what I was picturing. <laughs> I'll leave it. And like if I say to you, Joe and James, like picture a rowing machine, bang, you've nailed it. Yes. Like, how long? Like, like from House of Cards. What did you exactly? What did you have in your mind that my rowing machine is not exactly what you pictured? A canoe. Did you, I hold on a did. second. Did you not have a photo on the ad? Yes. And exactly. <laughs> so, like, so he doesn't even have to exactly. picture it. There's an actual picture. He just turned up and must have gone. Well, I I don't think I can row. This is fucking ridiculous. So I think <laughs> I think that this guy just doesn't want to pay for a gym membership, and he just goes around to all the Gumtree ads <laughs> using the various equipment. He was there for 45 minutes, Joe, and then he did some push-ups, <laughs> and then he left. And uh, and I don't know what it was. I had to stretch his legs up. But so then we have to carry the rowing machine back upstairs again, nearly dying. Several times. No. Another guy gets in touch. We have to carry it back down the <laughs> stairs set up. He turns up. This is a week or so later. We go through the same thing. Luckily, he clearly has used a rowing machine before. I'm like, brilliant. He's like, here's the money. I'll help you out to the car. I open the front door and it wasn't a smart car, but okay. it was pretty fucking small. <laughs> it was like a Nissan Micra thing. Oh we God. open the boot <laughs> and the boot is full of shit. It's got like half a pram. It's got some bricks. It's got some empty containers. I know it's not going to fit, but he lifts it up and we try and put it in. That's not going to work. Maybe we can slide it in the back door. I have already, that's not a euphemism, by the way. Uh, and I'm like, I've got the money, so I just want rid. We go to push this. This story will end ultimately, by the way, just in case you're worried. We slide this rowing machine in across the back seats. It won't fit because that is also full of shit. Um, and we nearly get it in. But the end of the machine won't go over the back of the headrest of the passenger seat, which is fully reclined for some reason. And maybe that's where he had the last dead body. And I'm like, if only we could move this chair. And he's saying to me, well, that, that chair doesn't work. I look over the chair. There's an elasticated bungee rope tied from the gear stick to the door handle. I think the only thing holding the door on is this <laughs> fucking rope, which is why he's got the seats down. I am just through sheer, sheer will managed to force this rain machine in. I'm pretty sure that that rowing machine is never, ever coming back out of that car. And I'm thinking maybe all the shit in the car is where he's been to pick up stuff that he bought off Gumtree that he then couldn't get out. And it's just accumulating <laughs> in his car. It's like a graveyard for Gumtree purchases. I um, mean, clearly this guy's biggest problem isn't working out. You know what I mean? Like, he needs to, like, fix some of the other things in his life before he buys a rowing machine. Um, it must have just been the easiest thing to fix on his to-do list, buy a rowing machine, rather than buy a car <laughs> or fix the door or fix the chair or empty the car. I mean, there was a point I thought, me and James are going to have to do this stream with one of us sitting on a rowing machine. <laughs> but the good news is the rowing machine finally went. Oh, and man. We are, tomorrow morning, I'm going to do some tests just to make sure. But we are pretty good to go. I think it's going to be pretty, pretty shit hot. Hope you can join us, even if it's just to say hello for a little while, Joe. But I, I think it's going to be good. Cannot believe the effort you've gone to for this. I feel very <laughs> guilty now. I should have just skyped in. Uh, we'll talk more about the, uh, the 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 home game a bit later on in the show. Right now, it is time to blow some smoke up Joseph Stapleton's ass. Yeah. Event recap. Event recap. So. The um, the 20s, the GPI America, keep it going, <laughs> it's, this will the literally America. never happen again. The American Poker Award, still going. Matt, you forgot you need to talking over music, you won't do it. 
the 2017 American <laughs> Poker Awards, uh, which saw a lot of success for poker stars, not just Jason Mercier, not just Jason Somerville, but also Joe Stapleton. Ladies and gentlemen, it's an amazing thing. I know it's almost as if I got acknowledged as being an employee of the company. It was crazy. <laughs> uh, welcome. Welcome to the gang. I... I'm amazed yes. you're still here. Have you not got a better gig set up already? Now, I just want to be clear. I was about to ask you, Joe, how was the ceremony? But I, I want to be clear. I'm interested in the whole shebang, not just about your win. Sure, sure, sure. Well, obviously, winning does put a whole new paint job on things. And so, uh, of course, I had a great time in the whole evening. Um, I was enjoying myself up until I won. And then, of course, then I enjoyed myself a little bit more. But uh, look, it's open bar. Everyone's in a good mood. I brought a date and she had nothing to do with the poker world and didn't really know what was going on. So it was interesting to get her perspective as things were happening. And one thing she noticed is like she's like everyone's having a lot of fun with this. And even though there are some serious moments, um, I think everyone kind of gets it and it doesn't take itself too seriously. It isn't so far up its own butt. And people were heckling and uh, in a good natured way. Daniel. Uh, who's a camera whore these days, uh, was like Facebook living the whole thing and heckling occasionally in the speeches. And I don't know, it seemed more like a celebration than patting ourselves on the back. But then again, I patted myself pretty fucking hard. <laughs> uh, I had one really hilarious, awkward interaction with poor Vince Van Patten uh, before the show started. It was Daddy's like, it, king, just... big slick. What's he going to do? <laughs> Yeah, it, it was like right as the ceremony was starting. So the bar was empty and me and Vince were the only guys at the bar. And so, you know, I never know if people know who I am or not. I don't expect them to. Um, so I look at Vince and I'm like, oh, hey, Vince, how's it going? He's like, good, good. And he's uh, and he looks at me and he's like sta staring at me like very puzzled. And he's like, um, what what's your thing again? What do you do? And I'm like, oh, I. I do um, your job, but, uh, you know, on the on the European tour, and he's like, oh, 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 yeah. Um, what's uh, so what else are you? Um, what are you what are you up to then? And like it was just this horribly it was like this thing where like he was trying really hard to engage me and I didn't know how to answer him without being condescending <laughs> and being like, you know, you, you like I know you should probably know who I am like. Not because I'm big or anything, just because, like, we should know who our, like, peers are, you know, and our colleagues and stuff. So then as I was coming off the stage, like, with my award, I made sure I had to wave to him. <laughs> just to be like, hey, I wasn't making it up. I really <laughs> have have been around for a little while. Uh, other other highlights uh, was um, this really funny thing happened with David Peters. I think David Peters was the uh, the first award of the night. Um, it was either that or Kate Hall, but someone is, is Eric Dennis is on stage, like sort of reading the story of David Peters year. And when he gets to the part about David, um, like winning the, the player of the year race at the last second by finishing third in Prague, um, this woman behind us. Now there are a lot of poker fans who like sort of won tickets ago. This woman who was like a poker fan behind me just goes, Wow. <laughs> and I just love that. Like she was like hearing the story for the first time. And then uh, David Peters ended up on ESPN that night. They did a short story on the uh, the GPI. So that's pretty cool. That is cool. And yeah. But I guess, you know, the story of of the evening other than uh, my win. 
is, uh, oh, you won. Oh, wow. Great. Yes, I, I did. I don't know if I oh. mentioned that or not that oh, I won. No. Um, was Kate Hall's speech. And Kate's speech was at the top of the show. It was the second award given out. And, uh, you know, basically her, her thoughts were that, you know, that maybe there shouldn't be separate categories for men and women. But I think that we do have some audio of that speech. I'm really nervous. I'm really genuinely very proud of winning this award. I have to say though that I have some mixed feelings about it um, because the, the concept of female player of the year to me doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, there were 77 men who finished ahead of me in the overall player of the year race this year and for me to get an award ahead of 76 of them, it feels to me like it has to send the message that I'm not expected to be able to compete with them. And in the context of awards for athletic achievement, that makes a lot of sense because men are just faster and stronger. It's a biological fact. But when you carry that over to an award for performance in a mental game, it again feels like it sends the message that men are just in another league. And every part of me rebels against that idea. It's just so inimical to who I am. So obviously Kate raises some interesting arguments. We're going to discuss those arguments with Kate in just a moment. But before that, Joe. Do you want to introduce your own speech in which I think it's fair to say you lampooned Ms. Hall? Yeah, we got we to gotta hear Kate's speech for some context for mine. I was really nervous about giving this because I just I, – I put a lot of pressure on myself to be funny and also to, to thank the appropriate people. So I'll let you guys be the judge. Thanks, guys. I guess it was my turn this year. Appreciate it. Um, let's see. Where did I want to go with this? I'm kind of with Kate Hall on this one. I'd rather have one person of the year. Um, <laughs> There were at least like 75 or 76 other better people than me. And so I feel weird accepting media person of the year. I'll take it though, I'll take it. Uh, I actually, I really don't think I deserve this award, uh, media person of the year, only because the other people who are nominated really live, breathe, and eat poker. Um, they're just so dedicated to the poker media. However, this is kind of like when you're all in and the dealer mucks the other player's hand, like, I'll take it. <laughs> I'm just gonna take it. Uh, I always say to people all the time that I have the best job in all of poker uh, because there are literally hundreds of people whose jobs it is to make me look good. And I get tons of credit for that. So I just wanna say thank you to all those people and to all the people who have ever cracked a smile at one of my dumb jokes. Thanks very much, guys. I appreciate it very much. Good speech, Joey. Yeah. Good speech. It was okay. I covered enough bases there. Yeah, and I must say, do you know what? When the first time I watched that, to start off with, when you kind of make a, a little, kind of not really big joke, but when you say, I guess it was my year to, uh, to win that, thanks for that, and there wasn't, a single noise and I thought oh my god they hate him this is going to be awful and then to hear that's that, exactly what I thought too and, and, and then to hear and I and honestly because I've been to a couple of your stand-ups where you've gone down brilliantly and you've shared a couple of video clips where it's maybe not been quite that way and that first little comment you made I thought oh my god they are totally not on his side and then of course it was just brilliant because then you just got such a wonderful response I was like oh thank god for that I would hate to like be picking up the pieces of Joe after this but crucially <laughs> I want to hear what Kate Hall thought of Joe's speech. So let's speak to the woman herself. We're pleased to welcome to Poker in the Ears, American Poker Award winner, Kate Hall. Hey, thanks for having me. Kate, thanks for getting up at 10 o'clock in the morning. Are you, are you angry or very angry? 
I'm still asleep, so I can't actually be angry yet. <laughs> <laughs> Emotions have yet to take shape. Kate, uh, when I was trying to book you for the show, I promised you I would not make you talk about any of those like old controversies, but you had to go ahead and light a match under a new one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just can't help myself. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if you care or not. I just wanted to say that even though I did have a little fun with your speech uh, in giving my speech, I thought you made a really good point and did it in a fairly respectful way. I assume, is that the way most people are reacting to it or no? Um, You know, it's been kind of a mixed bag. I've gotten a, a lot more positive feedback than I usually get on anything, but um, I've also had some disagreements with people about it. Um now there are a number of people who disagree with my position, I think. Well, is there anyone that disagrees with your position that like that it, um, that you care that you're like, oh, I wish that I had this particular person's approval? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Kristen McNall um, had some contrary thoughts, and I sort of feel like her arguments about it are pretty reasonable and uh, we just don't really see eye, eye on it. But like having a difference of opinion with somebody like that, like, you know, it would be cool if we saw it the same way, but it's not like. I've seen a couple of other reactions, Kate, from a couple of other female players, uh, Liv Bury and uh, Natasha Mercier. Before I get to that, though, I'm intrigued. How did you feel at the time when you were sat in the auditorium? And I guess... Were you trying to start a debate? Was that your primary objective in making that speech? That, if anything, you wanted to draw attention to this issue and get people talking about it? Yeah, I mean, the, the whole point of giving the speech was to draw attention to this issue. Um, and it's not as though I was spoiling for a fight when I did it, but um, it, it was like an occasion to get people thinking about the issue and talking about it. Sure. So having raised what you obviously consider to be an important issue, how did it feel to have this bearded Muppet go on stage picking up his own award, lampooning your words? <laughs> Actually, felt great. <laughs> I mean, see, she's a reasonable person. Of course. Of course. Um, I, mean, I think actually think of all the responses, Kate, the most interesting, I think, was that posted by Liv Barry, um, who sees both sides of the argument. And Liv says on its plus side, the award probably encourages some number of women to pursue the game more than they would have, which can help the female equality cause by making the ratio of players more balanced. But where she echoes your sentiments is there is a con and that it slows down the bigger picture progression towards general female equality and continues spreading the idea that a woman isn't equally capable as a man at excelling at a demanding mental activity like poker. But while Liv is torn, I guess you're also torn, because what I was confused is Kate's making a really strong argument, and I agree with her, and yet she also claims she's proud and she's accepted the award. Do you see how it's slightly hypocritical? Um, I don't. I don't actually think that it is hypocritical. I mean, it like I'm also proud of having been uh, having gotten to like number 78 on overall GPI last year. Um, like I'm proud that it reflects a good season that I had and a lot of work on like on my side, even though I feel like having an award for this or having an award for 78th in GPI for that matter would be 
silly. It's still like, yeah, I did well this year, you know? Sure, um, you did well, and that's great to be recognised. But I guess the point you're making, which is a really valid argument, that there shouldn't be, in a mental game, separate awards for men and women, in a way it sounded like to me you were saying, I kind of reject the concept of the award, but you're not going to reject the actual award itself. I think, if I could, before Kate answers, I think that for her to reject the award would have just been seemed really rude. And I, I kind of agree, even, like, I see what point you're making, James, about, like, maybe it might come across as hypocritical, but I actually thought that it was, like, showing the most amount of respect while still, like, conscientiously objecting. Now Kate can answer for herself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I had initially planned on sort of declining the award for the reasons that I talked about in my speech, but... I talked to a couple friends about it and one of them just convinced me that it was going to be unnecessarily antagonistic and kind of be like a slap in the face if I were to show up and say essentially like this is so morally reprehensible that I can't even be a part of it. And like that's just not – I don't feel that strongly about it. So I didn't want to overstate my case or turn it into a, a sort of spectacle by declining the award. I think it's a totally fair argument. I think from my point of view, let's be honest here. Joe, cover your ears because I don't want to offend you. The whole idea of poker awards is a little bit stupid, let's be honest. Now, I know that in your case, Kate, and in the case of David Peters winning the GPI Player of the Year Award, this is something that's actually based on results and is based on ranking points. But generally, I see the poker awards as a marketing exercise. They're about creating a buzz around the game. And this is something that I think Alex and the GPI are very good at doing and about marketing the game. And that's why I do think I agree with Natasha Mercier, who in her post on Twitter makes the point that this is a good thing for selling poker to women. And I guess that is the principal argument for having this award. Yeah, I think that's the principal argument. And it's one that I just don't find all that persuasive because like, like I buy that argument in the context of should we have women's events? Um, but it's a lot harder for this award because it's an award that really like only the most diehard tournament pros are in contention for it or really even like aware of the machinations over it. So it's just like, I have a hard time believing that there are any women who uh, sort of would not be playing poker otherwise that are going to be playing because of this award. Sure. Do you think, do you think that it is important to market specifically toward women? And if so, what are better ways to do it? Um, I don't like it seems like it would be good to market specifically to women because it's a large untapped market. Um, I think that just having advertising strategies that don't don't sort of exclude women um, are a long way toward that goal. Um, So like one of my things has been that having the Royal Flush Girls feature prominently in advertisements and have it sort of be like a male um, centered advertising campaign probably discourages some women from feeling like poker is really something for them. Well, I, I appreciate opinions like yours, Kate, a lot because, uh, like, uh, like, like men, most men, like many men, I'm trying hard. I don't, I want to be like a good feminist. I want to know like what, what is archaic thinking and what isn't. You got a long and, way like, to I th- go. I know, I know. And I think that, um, 
Like a lot, I, I once had a date walk out of me because I said I thought International Women's Day seemed a little condescending, and I was saying it like in a nice way, and that to me kind of seems like um, like the same thing as having an award separate for men and women, but maybe it's not. And so I just uh, I really think that you're like a thought leader, Kate, and I appreciate your opinion. I I thought it was cool that you shared it in the way that you did on stage there. So I just want to say thanks. Ah, thanks. I appreciate it. <laughs> so I'm like really actually really curious. I really don't know that much about you. I want to know about your origin story. Like where are you from? What brought you here? I think you have a law degree. Is That's like basically the only thing I know, which might not even be correct. <laughs> no, that, that's correct. You got it. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm from Arizona. I went to college out there, went to law school at Yale and then graduated and became a lawyer for like six years or so and then gave it up a year and a half or so ago to start playing poker professionally. It was, <laughs> I was just really not happy as a lawyer. So I was looking for something that I could do to get out and uh, poker sort of presented itself as I could do this for a couple of years and uh, sort of have a pretty free schedule and uh, make a little bit of money to live on and figure out what I'm going to do next with my life after being a lawyer. So poker is not the long-term uh, plan for you. Yeah, that's right. Obviously, in the last few months, we've seen you start to play some of the events on the uh, European circuit, as well as playing events in the US. How have you found crossing the Atlantic? What are the positives and negatives of playing in Europe? I I mean, I absolutely love playing in Europe. The fields are just uniformly tougher there than they are in America. Um, but... They're also just fun events to play. Um, I went to uh, Hogerstar stops in um, in Barcelona and Malta in the last few months, and they're just really good events by and large, and they're really well run. Um, and I'm willing to trade off a little bit in terms of the uh, the skill of the pool of players to have fun playing all right kate well i promised you one really stupid game at the end of this interview and i have got one for you this is the hall of fame game all of the answers will involve the word hall or the sound hall okay really dumb shit here you have some lifelines now you can holler at a heart again if you want you can also i was gonna say you could jingle your keys at a giles he's our audio engineer but he's out today so i guess the only thing you have left is a Oh, uh, no. Who wrote Seduces Stapes? That's not cool. Cajola Chris. We're going to let you Cajola Chris because Chris is the audio engineer today. And here we go. This person was the host of TV's Let's Make a Deal for over 20 years. Uh, I would like to use one of my lifelines. <laughs> Remember, you, you, can, uh, you, can ho- you can holler at a heart again or you can uh, cajole a Chris. I wouldn't, oh, if I wouldn't, I you I wouldn't this, ask them for these guys. No, this program I don't think is known outside of the United States. All right. The answer we were looking for there is Monty Hall. And uh, Kate, if you haven't done it, the Monty Hall teaser is like one of these uh, math problems that came out in the 70s. Really cool stuff, I think, is right up your alley. Concert venue in Northwest London that hosts the annual proms and also a place where Adele made me cry. Uh, Royal Albert Concert Hall? That is correct. The Royal Albert Hall. We're on the board. Joe, Joe, you lived in London for how long? Uh, Two and a half years. I would have thought your geography would be better than that. Northwest London? Where is it? 
Well, it's West London, but more central Whatever. than West. All right, fine. Jesus Christ, <laughs> get off my back! Uh, next question here. I don't have high hopes for this one, but uh, Canadian sketch comedy troupe whose show my dad would not let me watch because the men dressed like women. Kids in the Hall? Yes, Kids in the Hall is correct. Uh, question, uh, whatever number this is. Show this, type, this thing showcases the type of humor your Republican family members find hilarious. For example, happy grandparents day. Yes, I love you. No, I won't fix your computer. Wow, I have no idea. I have a second one. Here we go. They say at 40, you're over the hill. And you know what happens when you're over the hill? You don't. Oh, geez. Sure you want to know? Okay, here you go. Once you're over the hill, you start to pick up speed. But try not to think about it. Happy 40th birthday. Uh, Hallmark? Hallmark Cards is correct. <laughs> what the city of Los Angeles calls its police headquarters. Nope. Many uh, many other cities around the world use the same term. It's 10 in the morning. <laughs> it's 10 in the morning is incorrect. We are looking for a hall of justice. <laughs> the chemical composition of C2H6O is better known as... Halogen? Halogen is not a terrible answer, but we were looking for alcohol. <laughs> And finally, who is the actor who uttered this quote? Dear Mr. Vernon, we accept the fact that we had to sacrifice a whole Saturday in detention for whatever it is we did wrong. But what we did was wrong. But we think you're crazy to make an essay telling you who we think we are. You see us as you want to see us in the simplest terms and the most convenient definitions. But what we found out is that each one of us is a brain and an athlete, a basket case, a princess and a criminal. Does that answer your question? Sincerely yours, The Breakfast Club. Um, Anthony Michael Hall. Anthony Michael Hall is correct, James. You got more right than wrong, right? Absolutely. That was a decent performance considering two things. Number one, it's one of Joe Stapleton's stupid games. And number two, as you have said on numerous occasions, Kate, it's 10 in the morning. Yeah, brutal. <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't work as an excuse for pretty much any other profession. No, 10 in the morning. I'm surrounded by people whose alarms go off at like 6 a.m. and they're kind of like, 10? I dream of lying in till, <laughs> till 7. That's why I switched to poker. <laughs> well, Kate, we appreciate you getting up and uh, and look forward to hearing your speech next year. <laughs> so, time for us to... Con- to- we're going to continue our covering. Matt, I hope this is the long version, not like the short one you played. 20, 20 seconds. 20 seconds to go, everybody. Oh, oh, oh. That's all that's left of my 15 minutes of game. 14 seconds. 10 seconds now, Joe. Enjoy it. Shit. Bask. Bask in the globe. The American. More winners from the 2017 American Poker Awards. Our thanks once again to Kate Hall. Um, so who else... One prize is on the night, Joseph. Well, there was this guy named John Holly who won like the Hendon Mob Award, and he's basically this grinder who just played a lot of tournaments and got to show up uh, to the American Poker Awards. I thought he was awesome. He was like, the, like he was like a recreational player that won an award. It was really cool. Uh, he had a great speech. Maurice Hawkins won something, and although he won Breakout Player of the Year, which I think is a really difficult thing to 
to judge considering he's been around for a while. Uh, it was awesome getting to see him there, and he made a great speech, and he actually burned the GPL. Thank you, GPI, because I'm, I'm, I'm yet to know how you make money, but... <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, dude. Biting the hand that feeds Maurice. <laughs> well, it hasn't fed anyone yet. Uh, so <laughs> that that was like the that was like the biggest laugh of the night, I think, of all the speeches, which was cool. But then we got to talk about Joe Ingram. Now, Joe is a new guy on the scene. Uh, I feel like that, like we all at one point in our career, maybe not James, but like me and Matt at some point were like a Joe Ingram, where we were like a young guy doing edgy stuff, and probably like some of the older group didn't really get what we were doing. Joe won the award. I think it was for podcast of the year. He clearly wanted it really bad, but I kind of feel like his speech was a little lacking because it ended up just turning into an ad for his show and a bunch of obnoxious shout outs. If you've never watched my podcast before, I suggest you check out an episode and maybe check out the episode with Daniel Negreanu on their kid poker from 2016. But I wanted to get on all different parts of the poker world, from the media guys like Donnie Peters, from the players like a Samantha Abernick, from my girl Kate Hall. But yeah, man, that was my goal, is just put out really great content that that everyone could just really love. <laughs> oh, bless Yeah. So when I was first on the big game, the first interview I did, I fucking completely sort of blew it. Just kind of like I think this speech blows it and just being like, here's what I'm trying to do. Here's how great I am, blah, blah, blah. And just as a word of advice to Joe, you're a good kid. People like you. Just try to show like a little humility. And on that bombshell, uh, from an event recap to a TV recap. TV recap. Oh, as we continue to uh, go through these top five videos which are being uploaded to Pokestars TV every Wednesday, next week is a doozy, and we're going to run through next week's, obviously on the next episode of Poker in the Years, that's going to be the top five WTF moments. This week is more about personality types, and I guess the hands in this particular video are illustrative rather than being the subject of the top five. Table nightmares. And we start at number five with the victim, as exemplified by Phil Helmuth, who I think spends more time in these top fives than he does doing anything else these days. <laughs> I actually thought it would be really fun in each of these clips to decide what the actual nightmare is, because there were a lot of candidates <laughs> in this particular video. Uh, Viffer's blue hair, yep. that was a bit of a nightmare. Yeah. Uh, Daniel, like, kind of really just I, not I, being I, very I just want to see a river card. I just want to see a river card. <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean, in, the thing is, a funny thing is, watching this, I remember the as much as I loved all the like the the cash stuff. I always hated all the insurance bollocks, like which I know is like something that the pros love to do. But there was, if somebody has like got into a situation where a million dollars is on the line, well then tough shit, a million dollars on the line. All this insurance and take a bit back and all that. I realized it was the only thing I'd forgotten. I didn't really used to enjoy about that. On top of Helmuth always whining, because he's always Matt, whining. I get that you don't like it because it sort of like weakens the pot, right? Like, yeah. but don't don't you like? I see. I I get that aspect of it, but I kind of like the wheeling and dealing and like the extra. It's still more betting, even though they're sort of making savers. It's still more bets. I guess so, but you know, considering I'm probably like a lot of the population where you know 
people when they watch poker they want to watch the big players paying for huge pots you know just like pots away out of our imagination so to suddenly start taking stuff back and saving it a bit i don't mind the running it a couple of times because that kind of feels exciting and it's still all that money is still potentially up for grabs it was just an element of it i just i just never really clicked with I mean, I really love that Patrick Antonius needs to have like the math of outs explained to him in this video. <laughs> I love the fact they used one like Google. Like what are, what are the outs? And what can I get? And okay, thanks. And what time is seven eleven open till? Yeah. I just want to see and a river. Deal the river. <laughs> and Dwan is so bored by all of it too. He's like, I guess it's like one in four point four. He's like <laughs> he's like potentially taking these like really huge bets. He's like, I guess. <laughs> The um, problem is that Phil Helmuth's closing speech, which seems more directed against Negranu than it is Ivy, um, is peppered with expletives. So I'm not even 100% sure what he's talking about. It's just beep, 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 beep. He's saying that Negranu has cross-booked against him, which means that Phil is basically doubling his right. wins or losses. Oh, God. So if Phil gets stuck in the game for 100K, he's got to pay Daniel 100K also. Now I understand why he's in such a foul mood. To be fair, he's always in a foul mood. Um, at number four on the countdown is the drinker, the person who's had too much at the table, and the most famous drinker that we've ever come across on our tour is Roger Tesca from the PCA a few years back. James, real, real quick before we get to Roger Tesca, I did want to mention in that last video how it was hilarious how nobody wanted to loan Phil the money. Yeah. <laughs> like, they just kept being like, why don't you get it for Tom? Why don't you get it for, why don't you get it for Phil? <laughs> okay, go on. Tesca. I love this. All I remember about this is when we're doing the live coverage and we get the little voice in the ear that says, okay, we're going to go out to the outer tables. And you're like, fucking A. <laughs> like, what is it this time? What are we about to see? And coupled with his hilarious, like, salty old sailor face that he, he pulls like, yeah, yeah. See, I really have mixed feelings about this because don't get me wrong, at the time I did find it quite amusing. But looking back now, I find it more sad than anything else. And actually, this particular hand that is, is an example to me of someone just playing a hand really badly because they're so smashed. And I think some of the other things that he did, which at the time we were all laughing at, actually kind of, I have more sympathy with him, shall, shall I say, than actually wanting to treat him like laughing stock. Yeah, I, I can get on board with that, James. I just think that, look, if like we, we, we know at this point, I guess, that alcoholism is a disease, and I'm not saying he's an alcoholic or not. I have no problem making fun of a drunk person. I have more problems making fun of an alcoholic. Yeah. And without knowing what he is, I'm just going to decide he was just drunk. Yeah. Yeah. From the from the small sample size we saw across the three or four days he was in that tournament, I would certainly say that he has a drinking problem, even if it's not full blown alcoholism. The only drinking problem you have in the Bahamas is they don't come fast enough. <laughs> uh, let's move on to number three on the countdown. Then wait, 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 hold on a second. Now I think Mattis Murr was the real nightmare there. He looks like a crazy person who buttons their shirt up all the all the way. <laughs> Okay, William Kasuf, the Motormouth, at number three. Uh, is this the first time we came across Kasuf in London that year when he was needling Vanessa Selbst? I think so. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think so. It's funny watching this clip because we've now been so Kasufed. Is it kind of struck me how much like a Monty Python character he is on screen? <laughs> it it's just sort of 
I mean, also, I've got to mention that once again, Joe's voice was really funny. He had a, had your funny voice on. It's worth watching just to, to hear oh, Joe. Oh, the, old funny, the, voice, old, the yeah. old funny voice. But yeah, I guess it's a bit like all the conversations with Kasuf when it was up against Benji. It's like, to a Brit, it's just standard. But going back to clip number five, where I realized that for a Brit, Helmuth is just like the whiny yank who's never happy, is I guess to anybody not British, Kasuf is just like, he just needs to be shot. So, uh, do you know what I mean? It kind of seems that it's the balance where I know you find Kasuf as unbearable as we find Helmuth unbearable. It's just one of those things. I, I actually found him to be far more bearable when there was far less of him on the scene, um, you know, at this point. And look, when I say he's unbearable, I mean that from like, when I'm watching from like an audience perspective, right? Like there are like, when you watch wrestling, there are faces and there are heels. I consider him a heel. I like him in the game. I think he's a great character for the game. I would not want him to change. I, he's just a guy that he's a quote unquote villain to me. It doesn't mean I dislike him personally, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. Um, what about the tanker? Um, we used Gilles Bernier's from Dublin last year to illustrate this one, but even though his tanking was particularly weird because of the breathing, this is just generally anyone who just takes forever over every single decision. Well, I still think this is just a great argument for why the dealers should be treated more like referees than just dealers and be able to impose, you know, impose auto clocks on those, those tank check villains. But for me, this will always be brilliant because whenever I see Jean Bernays, all I think about is Joe doing his breathing voiceover. <laughs> and it really lacks it for me. I think we should go back through the archives and just have Joe come in and voice over the breathing on any clips of Gilles. Because for me, it turned into something that was horrific in the moment into something that retrospectively is quite hilarious. James, in this clip, first of all, really funny intro you did for it. Also, like the the extra dissolves in the clock, was that always there? No, no, no. This has been specially. Obviously, this is why we went back to the live stream footage rather than the actual TV show, because obviously okay. the TV show is going to cut out a lot of that thinking time. So, no, this is. I think the first two decisions are shown in real time, and they're pretty painful to sit through. And then after that, you get the cross dissolve showing you how much time passed in real time. And even though like 59 seconds doesn't sound like a lot, it's less than a minute. At the poker table, when you're watching someone just sit there not doing anything, it feels like 10 times that long. It's exactly the same amount of time it feels like when you're watching a web video. <laughs> what? One minute in a web video, you're like, oh, my God, what the fuck? Will this ever end? <laughs> what is this, Spartacus? <laughs> um, and then we have the number one table nightmare, the know-it-all, the expert, the person who feels the need to lecture you about how you played the hand after the hand has been played. Yeah, I mean, Magnus just needs a slap, doesn't he? <laughs> in that first clip, there's just no reason to do that to someone as nice as Elkie. Yeah, that I, that makes no sense whatsoever. That one is that one's the worst one. To although, me. It, although it does feature Lee Jones on commentary, what a lovely sample of what you can expect from Rosvedov Festival cover coming soon. We'll talk about it next week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I just that was. I'm glad that I wasn't sure in listening to quote unquote old commentary if the same sort of like ethos existed back then. Stupid of me to think that. So when I watch this and I'm like, God, I hope somebody says something about that. And then Lee does. And I'm like, OK, great. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, also, the always animated, always uh, opinionated Mark Telcher explaining how to play tournament poker. Apparently, you want to knock people out. That's a good thing. Oh, Joe, have you had much to do with Mark Telcher? Have you have you encountered him much? Mark and I went to the same wedding a couple years ago and uh, ended up spending several hours together. And was it a good several hours or painful? It parts of it were painful only because like when he wanted to talk about poker, like I could be interested in nothing less when I'm like, you know, at a wedding for the weekend. Uh, Other than that, I found him to be quite, uh, you know, affable and pleasant. See, the thing is, I don't often have a real personal opinion, but I will stick my neck out and say that I just think this guy is like a full on penis. (laughs) Like, Like I can't help it. It's just such a smackable face. And ironically, I didn't personally have a running, but I as soon as I see him, all I can think about is in 2006, the first time I ever went out to Monte Carlo, I was sitting with a friend of mine who's no longer in the poker world. He was a marketing guy. And we were sitting in the, uh, in the Le Meridian uh, bar and Telcher was there talking in his annoying voice. <laughs> and a mate, I, I dared a mate of mine to go over and interview him because Telcher's ego was so through the roof. <laughs> and this was this was 2006, before like your smartphone had a good enough camera. So we all actually had our cameras. So a mate of mine had a big, chunky Olympus camera. He went over to Telcher. And my friend just speaks like me, but he went over and went, excuse me, Mark, I'm from the poker press. Could I interview you? <laughs> and I saw... I'm not even making this up. He sat and did a bogus 20-minute interview holding a camera. <laughs> and Telcher was so happy to just talk about himself for, t- for 20... And my mates was going, now you're like bloody brilliant at poker. Like, and my readers will want to know, what makes you so bloody brilliant? <laughs> and then held the camera to Mark's mouth, who then talked for 20 minutes about himself and why he was so bloody good at poker. And I swear to you, that is not even a vague exaggeration. And that is why he will always be my number one poker penis. <laughs> You know what I have to say to that, Matt? Yeah. There but there but for the grace of God go I. <laughs> Kitchen. So the table nightmares available now to watch at Pokestars TV. Next week we'll run through the top five WTF moments. And as I said last week, it might be my favorite top five countdown of all time. We have got a super fan on standby, but we're gonna go into the lobby just before that. Uh, no real need to go into any great detail about the Pokestars TV home game. If you've listened to previous episodes of Poker in the Ears, you will know the invitation code, you'll know the club ID by now. If not, just go back and listen to last week's show. The key thing to understand is if you are listening to the show, on Thursday the 2nd of March, the day of its release, we are streaming tonight, 7.30pm London time, that's 8.30 Central European time. Uh, Matt, we've got a whole host of games, you've raced for all of them. Yeah, well I've got a show willing. I thought, you know, I can't be the only person, so... Let's get those games going, boys and girls. Come and play, unless you've already missed them, in which case, what were you doing? So to be clear, we're going to be on twitch.tv slash Matt underscore Broughton, but also hosted on the PokerStars Twitch channel. That's twitch.tv slash PokerStars. And of course, we'll have a full recap of that home game on the next episode of the show. And another quick reminder of something we went into detail about on last week's episode the PokerStars Championship Cash Challenge. It's the new televised cash game series we're shooting in Monte Carlo, and there are qualifiers running this week 
on PokerStars. The promotion concludes on Sunday the 5th of March. There are three tournaments every day, and to get tickets for those tournaments, simply deposit $30 or more using the code CASHCHALLENGE. If you finish in the top 20 of any single qualifier, you'll be invited to send in a video to audition for that TV show. Uh, well, someone who we are hoping to send to a live event is this week's Superfan. Let's play this week's quiz. Superfan versus States. And we welcome to the show from the United States of America, Joe Romagnano, or should that be Joe Pesci Romagnano? <laughs> uh, should be, you could just call me Pesci. Just call you Pesci. That makes things a lot easier, seeing as you'll be playing in a quiz against someone called Joe. Yes, of course, definitely. What do you think, I'm funny? What, am I a clown to you? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. Joe Pesci, who is your daddy? What does he do? What's your deal, bro? Um, well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a degenerate, non-professional, professional poker player, and I have a boring nine-to-five job, of course. How much of your nine-to-five job salary do you lose playing poker? Um, enough. <laughs> Just leave it at that. Now I play. You know, I, I I play. I'm not I'm not professional yet. Obviously, the dream is to be a professional poker player. But you know, I I, I live in New York and I go to New Jersey and play online uh, a few times a month. And you know, I have a few hand and mob scores that uh, a little dusty at this point. But I do have some hand and mob scores. So just trying to just trying to balance it and hopefully get out of the nine to five grind and just be on the five five p.m. to nine a.m. grind. You know what I mean? What <laughs> What is the nine to five that you're trying to escape from? Uh, I have a, a boring job at a university that will remain uh, unnamed. Uh, basically, I just analyze facility space and how it's used, and um, if it's being underutilized. You know, we do. You know, we address the departments that are like wasting their space and that sort of a thing. I get Matt, the feeling, wake up! I, I was just going to say, I get the feeling we should prime every single superfan to pretend that they work in TV or film, just so that every week we get to hear <laughs> Joe falling over himself to try and get headshots and show reels and, hey, buddy, uh, let's, uh, let's chat afterwards. But I'm afraid you're going to have to come up with something a bit more showbiz, superfan Joe. Uh, no, hold on, hold on. I can do this. I can work with this. Yeah. Uh, Joe, if your university ever needs to make a video explaining <laughs> how the spaces are used more properly, I think this is something like, because I hang out in rooms all the time. So I feel like I have a, you know, like a, like a, like an inside knowledge on this. Oh, you'd be the perfect mascot. Are you kidding me? Yes, exactly. Thank you. You'd be the perfect mascot for all these construction projects. It'd be perfect. You could, you could pitch for the, for the millions of dollars we need to build new spaces and shit. You'd be perfect. Trust me. One, one of the, one of the four segments on my headshot, my quad headshot is me in a hard hat. In a, in a large mascot. <laughs> But he is also topless Just, in that one. <laughs> yeah, wait, not, nothing below the neck. We can't have nothing below the neck on this one. I'm sorry. Okay. So, now, I can tell from your picture, your Twitter avatar, Mr. Pesci, uh, that you are a yes. big Star Wars fan, which I think informed your choice of specialist <laughs> subject. Yes, yes, I, I am definitely a, a super fanboy on that one. Now, definitely. good, because also, now, Mr. Hartigan has either made this very interesting or stitched you up, because when he said to me, this is what the uh, the quiz is going to be about, he did say, I think that Superfan Joe is going to be at, like, master level. So would you consider yourself a proper expert when it comes to The Empire Strikes Back? 
Um, yes, I, I would. I've definitely been watching that on rotation since 1980-ish, 1981-ish, when it was on VHS. So I feel I'm a super fan. I, I feel I'm the expert. So Wow. And I've, Joe, Joe, it, remind us your, uh, your familiarity with The Empire Strikes Back. Um, you know, I'm a Star Wars fan, but I haven't seen it in a long time. Although I will say that uh, when uh, when the re-release came out, uh, what was it, like 15 years ago, I saw it, this one twice in the theater. That's probably the last time I watched it in its entirety. I have to say, I'm absolutely tickled by the fact that we have like a Paisan Star Wars fan on the show. Like, I don't <laughs> think I've ever encounter that they're like hey i'm gonna fuck you up like fucking boba fett like, i don't think <laughs> like this is fucking amazing <laughs> i just want to i just want to hear joe and his like new yorker voice talk some star wars shit <laughs> i must say that yeah, the yoda you, quotes gonna are gonna it. have a different kind of tang to them <laughs> so, i can't wait so how's the quiz working have you handicapped it at all taking right. into account that joe hasn't seen the movie for like decades well as we've introduced recently in most cases you can either just go for the answer for two points or you can take the multiple choice also whereas we normally allow the guests and joe to kind of pick randomly there are quite specifically our joe and superfan joe questions just to give our boy a chance of getting on the scoreboard so it's uh it's pretty straightforward but should we do this thing let's get it underway then so who gets the first question okay superfan joe you're going to be our first to start okay here we go okay hey superfan joe remember do or do not there is no fucking try <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh, my favorite oh, quiz man, already. You got jokes. Okay, here we go, fan <laughs> joke. Right, so when Luke and Han uh, are yet to return, the doors on the Hoth base are closed for the night, and C-3PO confirms his status as a complete metal wanker by announcing the odds of their survival. Can you tell me the odds of their survival? Again, two points for just a straight answer, or one point if you want to take the multiple choice options. Uh, if I remember correctly, he said it's 725 to 1. My God. Oh, My God. <laughs> Joe Stapleton, you are in so much fucking trouble. You know what I would have said as the answer? I just would have went, he said they were bad. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Well, that's why you're the comedian, man. That's why you're the comedian. Oh. Okay, right now, Joe. I don't know shit. Here we go, here we go, Joe. Here's your chance to come back to us. Okay, every Star Wars film features the line, I have a bad feeling about this. Whose turn was it to say it in The Empire Strikes Back? Han Solo. Incorrect. Uh, I don't really think this is one you can steal, Superfan Joe. Um, I can tell you that it was Leia said it. And Joe, there is a bonus point. If you want to go for when and where does Leia say, I have a bad feeling about this? When they're about to um, oh, land in that land in that worm's <laughs> mouth. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> super fan Joe, do I give that to him? I think he deserves half a point because he got the location correct. The timing was just a little bit off. Yeah, it's, the ast oh, it's when they were going into the asteroid field, well, not going it's, into the mouth. No, it's when they're already in the worm and just about to discover that it's a worm. So we'll give you a bit of that. Okay, uh, super fan Joe. Which two, which two of the following names does Han not call Leia during Empire? So there are two fakes out of this list. Which two does he not call her? Darling, Sweetheart, Your Highness, Your Worship, Princess, and Saucepan Tits. <laughs> 
two of those. the last one. Sourceman so, so Tits definitely Correct. did not call it that. That call is definitely that. one of those. So, which is the other one that is a fake? Darling, sweetheart, your highness, your worship, princess. I think it's Darling. I don't think she called it Darling. So I'm going to go with Darling. Absolutely spot on, sir. So is that two points? That is two points. Four points to Superfan Joe. I have a question about the scoring of that question. Yeah. Was it two points because he got them both, or was it two points because it was one point each? Well, actually, I think it should be one pointer. Now I've considered it, because Saucepan Tits was a bit of a gimme for comedy okay. value. So in that case, three <laughs> points that's, that's to that's Superfan Joe. I don't think it's going to make a difference. Half a point to Staples. Give him his next question. All right. Okay, Joe. <laughs> Han announces that he has to leave Hoth to a very blank reaction from Leia. Han snarks at her saying, don't get all what on me, is it? Oh, well, actually, first of all, do you want to just go for it for two points or do you want your multiple choice? Uh, don't get all, no, I gotta hear. <laughs> okay, your options are tearful, weepy, emotional, or mushy. I think it's mushy. It is, don't get all mushy on me. They are, you're on the board. Well, he was on the board already with half a point. He now has more than just half a I'm point. I'm fully on the board. I'm no longer at half a <laughs> point. <laughs> okay. Welcome to the board, Steve. <laughs> okay, Superfan Joe, this is, this is, I'm glad you said you consider yourself a, an expert. For two points, can you give me the first sentence from the Empire Strikes Back's opening crawl? You can take multiple choice for a single point if you're not up to the task. All right, hold on. The opening... The opening set, not not Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back. The actual, the actual first, first sentence from the the shebang. Yeah. Uh, multiple, multiple choice available. Yeah. How did you know this? All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to go with the multiple choice on this one. Okay. Your options are: it is a dark time for the rebellion. It is a time of uncertainty. The rebellion stands on the verge of collapse, or it is a period of civil war. No, it's the first one. It's the first one. You're absolutely right. It is a dark time for the rebellion. Uh, I, I want to hear yeah, Joe. I want to hear Joe say it in his New York accent. <laughs> it is a dark time for the rebellion. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I love this. Okay, uh, Joseph Stapleton. Okay, we've got a very similar uh, question to previously. Which two of these insults does Leia not call Han during The Empire Strikes Back? So two of these are fakes. Need to know which two are fakes. You've got scruffy looking, no good swindler, laser brain, nerf herder, stupid fucktard cock juggler. <laughs> <laughs> Again, like saucepan tits, one of these might be a gimme. Uh, we're gonna eliminate the fuck bin turd burglar. Okay, that's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. So again, your options: scruffy looking, no good swindler, laser brain, or nerf herder. Which of those is a fake insult from oh, Leia? Oh man, I got it narrowed down to laser brain and no good swindler. Okay. So again, uh, which of those? I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna say that she does not call him a no good swindler. Correct. There is a bonus point here as well, Joe. Ooh. Which of those two non-layer insults out of stupid fucktard cop juggler and no good swindler? Which of those two insults does feature in the film? And who does call hand that? Uh, Lando Calrissian calls him that. That's absolutely correct for another point. Oh, this is actually quite exciting now because Woo! at the end of that round, uh, Superfan Joe Pesci has four points and Joe Stapleton has three and a half points. Ooh. There's only 0 0.5 points in it. Wow. <laughs> oh. Never tell me the odds. Oh, okay, uh, <laughs> Superfan Joe, 
The first lines of dialogue we hear in the film are communications between Luke and Han on Hoth. Can you give me their call signs for a point each? Ooh. Uh, yeah, the first, the whole entire first line is Echo 3 to Echo 7. Han, old buddy, do you read? Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow, that is definitely very, very impressive. <laughs> Holy shitballs. Okay, there's a bonus. There's a call, a call sign bonus. Later in the film, okay. a, a familiar face turns up under the call sign of Rogue 3. Who's that? Super Fangio. Oh, it's Wedge Antilles. Oh! He got the surname <laughs> as well! Holy shit. Right. <clears throat> Joe Stapleton. Oh, good. Oh, well, there you are. Uh, so, Joe, what are the two things that Yoda tells Luke Jedi don't crave? Two points if you go for it, or a point if you want to take multiple choice. A Jedi don't crave no adventure or no excitement. Hey! Hey! hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck yourself, it. Luke! So just to be clear, you didn't say that's it in Yoda's voice, though. Come on now. <laughs> I must say the thing is, Superfan Joe, if you were going to steal this, I'd made a note that you could only steal it if you did it with a full-on Yoda impersonation. <laughs> <laughs> and I. So do you want to get just just to show us? Do you want to give us your best Yoda version of the adventure and excitement line, please, Superfan Joe? <clears throat> okay, hold on. <clears throat> um. <clears throat> The adventure, the excitement. A Jedi craves not these things. I can't do it. I can't. Do it. I, don't, I, I can't. That was I can't. A hell of an effort. I don't really give a shit. That was awesome. Okay, a good. So now also Joe Stapleton, had you taken the multiple choice, there's a bonus. So I'll tell you what the multiple choice options were. Not that it was needed. They were fortune and glory, revenge and bloodshed, adventure and excitement, hookups and blowjobs. But the bonus <laughs> hookups, adventure. Um, the bonus for Joe Stapleton is why might fortune and glory be considered relevant in this quiz? Uh, He's gonna get a point for this. Joe is gonna no, no, get no. a point for this if he, uh, if he can come in. Oh, okay. I mean, it's from another Harrison Ford movie. Um, what might that be? It's from. Oh, it's from Temple of Doom. There you are. Bonus point. Easy. Easy. Meaning uh, that that's that's the only tattoo I've ever considered getting is fortune and glory written on my two biceps. <laughs> <laughs> the score right now is seven points to our super fans, six and a half points to Stapes. Still half a point separating them. Okay, lovely stuff. So super fan Joe, back to you, my friend. And there is a bonus on this one. In okay. the in the original theatrical release. Two key things were changed about the fake Cave Vader to give audiences a hint that he wasn't the real deal. From these options, what were those two things? Was it Vader's breathing pattern and lightsaber color, Vader's chest display and lightsaber sound, his helmet and cape design, or all of the above? This is a good one. Thank you. Yeah, this is a good one. Okay, so, all right. Um, Okay, so tell me right, if you want, if you read you want it one more it. time. Sorry. Okay, so in the original theatrical release, two things were changed about that fake Vader to give everyone the hint. These are your options: Vader's breathing pattern and lightsaber color, Vader's chest display and lightsaber sound, his helmet and cape design, or all of the above. I'm go with the the helmet and cape design. Incorrect, sir. Really? For the first time, it was his breathing pattern and his lightsaber color. 
Um, in the in the original theatrical release, his his lightsaber was like a kind of an orangey red, and his breathing pattern only went. We're not, not the. But there's a bonus here. Shit. Only one. So I was thinking. I mean, when, when you were thinking of, when you saw about the lightsaber color, it was just the fact that he's a Sith and they're red. So I just thought it was red both before and after. So that's. Do you know? I, I thought well, that, but apparently, if, if you I, didn't see it in the theater, you wouldn't have known it was orange exactly. unless you read this trivia. Exactly, exactly. Well, no, I, I had the original, the original theatrical copy, but go ahead. What's the bonus question? Well, there you are. You let yourself down, and everyone. Um, yeah. Okay, your bonus <laughs> is only one change out of the two we've discussed was left in for the re-release and the special editions. Which one was it? That was left in. Yeah. So they're both changed, but they left it in for the special edition. Yeah, all the existing the versions still have one of those changes, which we might have already given away in this previous conversation. So one, any version that you watch of Empire Strikes Back, one of those changes we've discussed has always been left in. Which one? Has always been left in. The breathing. Yeah, I think we kind of oh, gave okay. it away in the chat. But anyway, <laughs> it's all right. We, we like you to do well. Uh, oh my god, and this must be Joe's Joe's last last question. Okay. The main event uh, sorry, the main characters spend most of Empire split up. In fact, Luke, Leia, Han, Chewie, and the droids only appear all together in one scene. Where is that scene? And you can take multiple choice on this. Uh I think I have to go with uh, it's the the end when Luke's hands they're all looking at okay, the window. Okay, let me give you the multiple choice, Joe. Let me give you the multiple choice. Just let me <laughs> stop you there. I what? can't fucking believe you just said that. Okay, you're oh, right. Yeah, you're, you're, you're like a, you're, yo, you're like a blackjack dealer with him. Are you sure you want to hit on seven? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? Right, you're right. Because Hans in the carbon. Exactly, you moron. Right, okay, sh okay. Your options, Joe, are Cloud City. <laughs> The Carbon Freeze Chamber, the Hoth Medical Center, Lando's Palace, or the American Poker Awards ceremony where Joe Stapleton was crowned King of Kings, <laughs> Times Man of the Year, Genital Overlord, and Media Man or Woman of the Year. <laughs> it was one of those. Joe, do you wanna? Do you wanna? Um. Uh. They're on. Uh, they're on screen together, or they're all in uh, the same oh. scene. They're all in the same scene. There's only one scene where they're all together. Uh, the the car the carbonite area. Luke's not there. Luke's not there yet, is he? Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. Okay, and that it was the diaper tank, the medical center. It was the hot medical center when he's, ju he's just come back from being uh, spent the whole night inside a cow. <laughs> um, that's it. I've run out of questions. Just, I don't think we're going to need it, but I was very pleased with myself. We didn't have a tiebreaker this week. We had a tie fighter breaker. But anyway, we're probably not going to need it. Uh, the final score is that Joe Stapleton put up a valiant effort until the last hurdle of the race. Uh, the final score for Joe Stapleton, six and a half, eight points to superfan Joe Pesci, uh, meaning you are the winner of this contest. So, just to clarify, you do have a PokerStars NJ account. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Fantastic. In that case, we will be able to ship you a tournament ticket and we will be able to send you via registered mail and everyone loves a chop pot hoodie. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Joe.
All right, kids, we are almost out of time for this week's show. Coming up next time, we're going to have a recap of the PokerStars.TV home game happening in just over 24 hours from now. We will have one last top five for now, maybe more of those to come. We will preview Panama. We will preview Razvadov. Special guest star will be Elki. I hope. I've just been told that LQ is actually traveling to Rosvedov at the exact time that we want to bloody interview him. So we're hoping to make it work. I happen to know for a fact there are no flights to Rosvedov at this exact time. I'm going to look into that. Maybe I'll go to a home game. Probably not. But I do want to mention that uh, this guy named Skippy is the guy who runs the home game that I'm always talking about going to. He actually came to the American Poker Awards as a guest, didn't tell me he was going. He just wanted to be there in the background, didn't want to bug me. I was able to introduce him to a ton of his poker idols like Daniel and Phil Helmuth. And I just want to say thanks to Skippy for being there. He always listens to this show and to all of our live streams. He's a great friend, very supportive. Now, if I could, if I could just bring up the awards for one one more second. I just got some people. I look, I got some people I got to thank. Don't play me off. Do not play me off. Turn the music off. I got to thank, I got to thank uh, my wife. Uh, no, I want to thank all the people who chimed in on social media. Thank you very much for all the well-wishing. That was awesome, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you to all the people who said nice things on the night. One of the best nights of my life. Thank you to my co-hosts and all the folks who work on the show, uh, if I didn't cover that already, and specifically to James, who wrote something very nice slash mean about me <laughs> that I don't think we have time for on the show right now. But stick around, maybe, guys. Stick around. There might be an Easter egg after all of this is done. But for now, for Matt Broughton and James Hardigan, who I forgot to introduce at the top of the show because I won an award, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later. Ode to an Hairy American, as originally published in an internal memo to PokerStars staff. It gives me great pleasure to announce that my good friend and PokerStars TV co-host, Joseph Stapes Stapleton, has been named Media Person of the Year at the GPI American Poker Awards in Los Angeles. Despite an aggressive social media campaign urging the jury not to vote for him, they did! Oh, the joys of democracy. Joe has been a staple, get it, of our output since 2010, when he made his TV poker debut as the colour commentator on the PokerStars.net big game. Following the show's cancellation, not his fault, he crossed the Atlantic and forced his puns, obscure pop culture references and tired catchphrases on an unsuspecting European audience as my sidekick on the EPT. Following the show's cancellation, not his fault, he has remained on the payroll as my co-commentator on the PokerStars Championship live streams and my co-presenter on the Poker in the Ears podcast. Subscribe now on iTunes! Over the years, Joe has become incredibly popular, with almost half the audience. As the original pioneer of pokertainment, he's best known for mixing poker analysis with humour. Joe's primary objective is to entertain the viewers and he sometimes succeeds. It's fantastic that Joe has been recognised by the poker industry at this prestigious ceremony. Apparently his acceptance speech was excellent. I can't confirm this, I haven't heard it. Now, obviously Joe's success is largely due to my mentoring, support and guidance. Clearly, I deserve some of the credit. In fact, 
I'm claiming all the credit. Congratulations to me. This is my winning moment.